prayer and praise. Our group of pastors, the delegates, and guests all gather together with a common theme that we are an Acts 1-8 community with a kingdom focus. Acts 1-8 community. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let's look at what that verse says. Because it's important for us to recognize that this is what our purpose is. Remember when I mentioned earlier about purpose? The purpose of our church is to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the truth. And an Acts 1-8 community does exactly that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I'll be giving you this verse from the NIV version, but I want to wait for everyone to get there with me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now these words happen to be the last recorded words in Scripture of Jesus communicating to his disciples before he ascended into the clouds as they watched. He was telling them that their ultimate power, the power source that they have in proclaiming the gospel to the world, will come from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Holy Spirit is going to communicate that to him. We know Jesus because the Spirit reveals him to us. The Spirit has to reveal who Jesus is to us. And the Spirit gives us the ability to acknowledge the presence of Jesus in our lives. He also gives us the ability to love him and love others as he loves us. That's pretty important. He gives us the ability to love him. He loves us. First, we have to learn what it is to love him. Please take a look at Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. We're going to look at verse 1. Isaiah is a great book to read. It's a, it's a long book, but it is jam-packed with content prophetic content. Um, God gave Isaiah the ability to just communicate with us the coming of Christ, what that involves, and gives us clues all throughout Isaiah about who Jesus is. Here's another example of it. Because he's writing about the Spirit. Let's start with Isaiah verse, it's Isaiah 61, verse 1. This is the English Standard Version. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. These words being communicated are the words of Jesus. Jesus himself was able to perform all of his miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was upon Jesus. The Spirit worked through Jesus to do the things that he was doing. 
But we want to make sure when we talk about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, they're all working in unison. They're all working together for the common purpose of reflecting God's love, reflecting God's love on us. The Holy Spirit was actively involved. Now go to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Just giving you a few verses to give you, to set up what we're talking about today. Because we do need to see the involvement of the Spirit with Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The indwelling presence of the Spirit is where we get our ability to live as members of an Act, Acts 1-8 community. The Spirit enables us to do those very things. So we see the importance of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we see how it's often associated with the word power. We just read that word power. Power indicates the ability to do something that goes beyond your own strength or ability. This power is not physical power. This power is spiritual power. Amen? You know, we have people who are, are gym rats, right? They go to weight, go lift weights and stuff like that and power lifting and whatnot. Men and women do it, by the way. It's, 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 men and women are very actively proclaiming you know, the importance of having physical fitness and that's something I'm not going to do is power lifting or lifting a whole lot of weights myself now because... I think I'm past that point in my life. Some people would probably disagree with that, but I'm past that point in my life. Amen? But the power we're talking about is not about how much you can do physically. It's about what you can do spiritually. Spiritual power. That's what we're referring to. This power that we're referring to comes from Jesus Christ. He provides what we need to carry out his command to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what an Acts 1-8 community does. We are sharing the gospel everywhere on the earth. We go out as we move about, and of course as our denomination does, we send people out into the world to do what? Proclaim the gospel. Our online presence has only one purpose and one purpose only. To proclaim the gospel to whoever's looking. And that's whether you're a member of this church or not. But that's what we're doing. And that's what we're going to keep doing. All of you are, should be familiar with Philippians 4.13. Go ahead and turn to it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Because everything that we do as believers, we do it because we get power, we get strength, we get ability from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Philippians 4.13. This would be a memory verse. I am able to do all things through him, that's being Christ, who strengthens me. That's the Christian Standard Bible version. 
I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. And we need to rely upon Jesus to get some things done. Amen? I love what Dr. Charles Stanley says. It's like you just go to the Lord on your knees. Let Him take care of the results. I think that's very appropriate for how we are supposed to live in Christ. Let's make a declaration for today's message about the power that God gives you in the Spirit. With His power in your life comes great responsibility. Amen? With His power in your life comes great... You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. The responsibility that we as believers in Jesus have is to allow God to teach us and mature us in our faith as we rely upon the teaching that the Spirit provides us. When we pray, typically we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? We do that. But we're praying for what? Wisdom? Guidance? Encouragement? Knowledge? The Spirit provides all this as we go. It's much, the same, it's much the same as learning from life's experiences that we were growing up. As we got older, prayerfully, we became wiser. Amen? You have to think about that. Prayerfully, we got smarter as we got older. Amen? Now, I'm not going to get into examples about folks who are way past the age of understanding and knowledge that run around and act like fools all the time. I'm not about to get into all that. But if you are truly doing what the Lord has you to do, as you get older, you're going to get smarter and you're going to get wiser. That's what has to happen. That's what should happen. As we learn more about what it is to, that requires us to be obedient to the words of Jesus, we receive what? Godly wisdom. Godly wisdom. When we were younger, we often acted impatiently, and impulsively. Amen? If we're being honest, young folks sometimes do things impatiently and impulsively because they got to have it now. they got to do whatever it is now. But as we've matured over time, we have learned more about what it is to be patient and prudent in our actions. We learn what it is to be patient. Life experiences taught us these lessons, but the Spirit gives us what we need to remain patient and obedient to Jesus. Because sometimes, even though we're practicing patience, sometimes we get impatient anyway. But we have to now rely upon Jesus to give us this extra measure of patience. And sometimes we have to be patient when all kinds of stuff around us is falling apart. Amen? That's what, only God can give us that kind of patience. And here's something that's important for us to see too. Please turn to John 14, verses 15 through 17. Of course, for those of you who know, we're doing our study right now in the book of John in Sunday school, and we're running through it pretty deliberately. We just completed the 48th or 49th lesson in John, just doing a quick count. So we're taking our time, but we're almost near the end. But there is so much 
in John that teaches us about God's love for us. And verse 15 is where we're going to start reading. We're going to go through to verse 17 here. John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now that verse stands alone, doesn't it? If you want to show that you love God, you have got to keep his commands. You've got to be in his word to know what his commands are. And you've got to be able to read those words and study them and recognize what he wants for you is his best for you. You keep your commands by doing, you keep those commands for understanding that's what he wants for you. The best. Let's continue. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. The indwelling Holy Spirit, if you have a believing relationship with Jesus Christ. Our counselor, the Holy Spirit, provides maturity when it comes to our faith. That's what the Spirit does. We mature. You know, we, you hear the word sanctification being used, the sanctifying power of the Spirit. That's maturing you. It's helping you to grow. It's helping you to be more patient. It's helping you to be more prudent in your decision making. Let's look at how Jesus teaches us and challenges us with our faith. It's safe to say that we have different levels of faith. We do. In order to be effective in our ministry, faith must be present. Faith must be present. It has to be there. We don't do anything in the Lord without faith. Because we're trusting in what? The results. Faith is necessary. How do we know that faith must be present? Scripture tells us. Scripture gives us what we need to understand this. Take a look at Hebrews 11. Go to Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Now, not to insult anybody in this room who has been, who is a scholar, amen? This, some of these verses may be pretty rudimentary to you. I've got to tell you something. You know what? You can't go over them too often. You need to be reminded of what God's promises are to you and what he's trying to tell you. Hebrews 11, verse 6. This is a verse that you should come back to every time because he's, what's so important about faith? Well, without it, you can't please God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Note the word impossible. You cannot please God without faith. It's a requirement. Some things in life are optional. This is not. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That's the reason. We have a lot of people in church today who talk about God, but when it comes to really understanding who he is, like I said, there are different levels of understanding. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, we have people, we have to be reminded 
There are people who don't honest, earnestly seek God. We live in a world where people don't seek after God. If you're not seeking after God, 99 times out of 100, you're seeking after yourself, your own self, the things that you want to do. The reminder we have in the book of Judges, everyone did what they was right in their own eyes. And God is teaching us this as we go. Not everybody's going to be on the same page that you're on. That's why we have to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because God loves those people too and wants to see them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you have a heart for God, you understand how important that is. And faith is important. Go to Luke 17. Luke 17, verse 6. Another important aspect about faith. God knows you probably better than you know yourself. Amen? I had one amen and then everybody else decided to chime in because I said amen. But God knows you better than you know yourself. And if you're honest about who you are as a person, you know that your faith wavers at times. So much so that all God is asking you to do is have this mustard seed faith. Verse 6, Luke 17, English Standard Version. And the Lord said, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say this mulberry tree be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now, this is one of those times, and we had this conversation briefly, this is one of those times where uh, the conversation here is being spoken of like as a parable, or it's being spoken in, in such a manner where it's, not a, it's a figurative speech. For clarity, to help us understand the words of Jesus here, we need to know that this is not about physically moving objects with your mind. We have to clarify that. Because we have people who think that they can do whatever they want to do with their mind. No, you can't. Okay, you're not moving objects physically. That's not a result of faith. This verse is to be understood with regard to the nature of faith. First of all, it's God's gift to us. Faith is God's gift to us, for us, to even be able to have this relationship with God. Amen? Remember during the time of Noah, there was no one else on earth before the flood who gave a rip about who God was. The only one who did was Noah. And we can say for the sake of conversation, Noah and members of his family. Because that's all that was left. But it's a gift to us, but we have to accept that gift. We have to recognize that gift. The power of faith reflects the all-powerful nature of God Who gives us this faith? Notice the word power here. It's a power. Jesus notes this power in the following passage. Matthew, go to Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. We're going to talk about the mustard seed again. Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. Whenever we have conversations about faith and understanding 
what it is we're up against. You have to understand something. The people of the world, they worship a different God than the God we worship. It's either a God of self or it's Satan himself. And we are created as human beings to believe in something. There is an innate nature in us to believe in something. But we have to make a choice and decide what we believe in, what we have faith in. And a lot of people have faith in themselves. But we recognize that you can't do anything without Jesus. Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. That's a pretty big tree. From a mustard seed. So what is he showing you here? The power of God. Power. So now that we have seen that there is power in the presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit, let's put out the challenge and encourage one another to rely on it more and more. We have the power of God available to us we have to choose to use it. We have to choose to use it. It's available. How many of you go home and just have the electricity shut off and you don't use it? Well, nobody does that, do they? But it's a choice. You can decide to go home and cut off your electricity and just go about your business and, you know, your food's in the refrigerator. Well, something's going to happen with that if you don't use electricity, right? Are you just going to go get ice every day now and go to the, go to the, uh, <laughs> to the, the 7-Eleven and go get ice and just keep bagging it up and all that? No, that's a choice you make. Well, in the same way, we make a choice to decide if we want to be on the team of Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to follow Jesus. The one thing we can't afford to do and this is for the older people in this room, the one thing we can't afford to do is mail it in. Ding! I know, I like that, right? That was a good timing for that sound. The one thing we can't afford to do is mail it in. We're still active in this. If you're older, the one thing that you can do readily, and I don't need to prompt you, is pray. Because prayer is so important. I'm not veering off of the message. I know what I'm doing. I'm just letting you know. We can't afford to mail it in. We have to choose to use the power that God gives to us. Here's an illustration of the power of faith in the book of John. It involves a place where Jesus often went as there were many there who believed in him. And his reputation was growing from after his first miracle. Turn to John chapter 4. Let's look at verses 46 through 48. When I read this before, it struck me about the dynamic taking place when it comes to faith. And honestly, at the end of this, you're going to see how important it is for us to 
Take Jesus at his word. Take Jesus at his word. Even if you don't know for sure, take him at his word. Have faith. John 4, verses 46 through 48. I'm going to read that for you. New Living Translation. It's easy to overlook this section of Scripture, too, because it happens kind of quickly as we read. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. That was his first miracle. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Verse 48, Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Now, let's take a pause here. This statement from Jesus to the royal official was a challenge, check this out, to go beyond what is seen. Go beyond what is seen. Because you have to understand, the first miracle that he did when he turned the water to wine, people could see that there was wine there after the water was in those jars, in those in jars in Cana. Go beyond what is seen. That's a challenge for us. He knew what Jesus could do in person, this official. But telling, Jesus is telling the official to take his faith in him to a new place. A new place. Going beyond what is seen. The official wanted Jesus to come with him to Capernaum, which is at the minimum a two-day walk from Cana. Depending upon where you look, Capernaum is about 20 miles away from there. So that's a two-day walk. They didn't have scooters. They didn't have cars. You have to walk. Now go to verse 49. Verse 49, the official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Verse 50, then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live. Now look what it says. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Son's still in Capernaum. Believed, he believed what Jesus said. You're going to notice that there was definitely a connection that Jesus made with this man. Unquestionable. The official was convinced beyond any doubt that Jesus would do exactly what he said he would do and heal his son without having to travel down to Capernaum. Ask yourself this question. How would you have responded to what Jesus said here? Now keep in mind, this is an emotional time. The life of a family member is at stake. You've already traveled a considerable distance to find Jesus to make your appeal. That's a two-day journey. This man got out and started walking ten miles a day, approximately. 
Think about this for a moment and note that faith and believing in the power of Christ will undoubtedly challenge us to go further than we can ever imagine. But that's exactly what we're talking about. This was a fearful time for the official, but he chose to believe in the power of Jesus that came directly from his words of reassurance. What a connection. What a, for him just to turn around and say, okay, I'm going to go back. I believe what you say. Your son will live. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is what we as a people, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to camp out on 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. We need to camp out on this passage. Because we know there are many times that we can be very fearful. But what does it say here? Verse 7, 2 Timothy 1. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Not of fear, right? But of power, love, and self-control. The official believed Jesus right then and there and turned around and went back to Capernaum. He believed that Jesus would heal his son before seeing the result. Before seeing the result. It would take him a couple of days, but he believed Jesus would heal his son. But I want you to see something here that's really important for you to recognize. God is so good. Jesus, of course, knew that this official was going to be in Cana. He knew he would have the encounter with this man. The official received the words of Jesus and believed, and now he would not have to travel for two days to see that his son was healed. Jesus must have prompted the official's servants to go out and meet him with the good news. Go to verse 51, John 4, verse 51. Go back there. I want you to see God's goodness here. He is actually meeting this man where he is because he believed him. John 4, verse 54. We're going to read through to verse 51. Excuse me. We're going to read through to verse 54. This is so powerful, everybody. John 4, verse 51. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon, this is the New Living Translation, not everybody has this version, Yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. 
Amen. And hallelujah. He didn't have to wait two days to find this out. And he, now here, here we go, and he and his entire household believed in Jesus. The entire household of the royal official, the government official, believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. This is important to see. The only witnesses to the miracle that took place were the servants' officials. The officials' servants, excuse me. They were the only ones that witnessed it. They were there when the son was being healed. They had to connect with their master to share the good news. It was a great time of rejoicing. They knew he went out looking for Jesus. They went out to go after him. You're not going to believe this. This is a reflection of God's grace and that the one who believed in him did not have to wait long to know that Jesus acted in power to heal his son at the very moment of their encounter. And note that the entire household believed in Jesus. Praise the Lord. But what did it take? The faith that that official had. I believe you, Jesus. I believe you. I'm going to go home. My son's going to be healed. Because I believe in your word. Our faith in Jesus overcomes our fears. Amen? Our faith in Jesus overcomes our doubts. In our flesh, we are fearful. In our flesh, we doubt. And Jesus knows this. So he's challenging us. Step it up in your faith. Our faith in Jesus gives us the power and ability to trust in his goodness and trust in his results. Amen? His results. Have you not seen Jesus work in your life in some way, shape, or form? Amen? I'm not, I know y'all ain't sleeping. Have you not seen Jesus work in your life in some way, shape, or form? And we need to see it. We need to know that he is working. And Jesus has a way of keeping us focused on him and his power in the midst of life's most chaotic moments. Chaos. Chaotic moments. Who gives us the strength? Jesus does. He received this power from God himself. Go to Acts chapter 10. Let's look at verses 36 through 38. One thing we have to remember about Jesus, and he gives us these examples in Scripture too, the whole thing about Matthew chapter 4, he wants you to understand that he understands you because of what he had to go through. Isn't it interesting? As soon as he was anointed with the landing of the Holy Spirit, guess what he wound up doing? Going right to the wilderness and going into this temptation. Forty days, no food. Because we go through temptation. He's showing you that he can relate to you. 
I mean, look what it says in Acts 10, verse 36 through 38. Verse 36, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace throughout, through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened all, throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And that's exactly why you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you're going to be oppressed by the devil. But God's with you anyway. To strengthen you. To encourage you. To lift you up. To hold you up. With this information, we can readily say that God is with us. One of the names of Jesus, Emmanuel, means God with us. The Holy Spirit that dwells within us provides us with power, capability, and sustainability. We certainly need to rely on this power today. Amen? Our faith in the same manner as the royal official must mature daily to cope with a world that lives without hope. We live in a world that is without hope. A very confusing world for a lot of people. And nothing to look forward to. Suicide rates up. Suicide rates among teens up. That's a world without hope. Our mission as an Acts 1-8 community is to provide hope to the masses that do not have a relationship with Jesus. Turn to Romans 15. Let's look at verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. We as believers in Jesus, we have hope because of what Jesus gives to us. Amen? Well, let's, let's read the verse to affirm that. I love those quiet amens. It's like, what is he talking about? What is he saying? What is he saying? Say the sacred word. Verse 13, Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Abound in hope. A world without hope has to see believers in Jesus reflect the hope that he freely gives to those who believe in him. We have hope. We are radiant before the world with this hope. We are a reflection of Jesus Christ. They need to see hope coming from you. They don't need to see some people who are like Debbie Downers. We don't get caught up in what the world's doing. We have to be the ones that lift people up. The Spirit has the responsibility to now compel every believer to have a heart for the lost. 
Have a heart for the lost. Have a heart for the lost. That is a reflection of God's character in our lives because God has the same mission. He has a heart for the lost. His love for the people of the world should also be our love and concern for those who need salvation. And you don't have to go very far to find folks that need salvation. Look in your own families. You ain't got to go too far. This is what I mean about praying and praying and praying some more for those people in your life who do not know Jesus Christ personally. A saving relationship. Not just knowing, but knowing for a saving relationship. That should be a daily prayer. Of course, I've said that before. I'll say it again. One of my coworkers is really going through a ringer right now. He just realized that through doctor visits, the pain in his foot is actually gout. That's very painful. On top of that, the mother of his fiance just had an operation to remove a cancerous brain tumor, and there is more cancer that is inoperable, and it requires radiation treatment. When you combine this with a hectic work schedule, there is an avalanche of emotion that can overwhelm even the strongest people. And that's especially true if you don't have the power of God in your life. Amen? You'll know that your outreach, because this is what outreach is, everybody. You talk to people. Say something to encourage them. You'll know it's appreciated because it'll be in the response. You're not providing words of encouragement for making yourself feel better. You're providing it for God's glory. Amen? It's for God's glory. You're acting selflessly. You're taking the time to spend with another person because it's for God's glory. You are to decrease in order that Jesus is increased in the lives of others. You catch that? You are to decrease in order to increase for Jesus in the lives of other people. That comes from John chapter 3, verse 30. John the Baptist recognized he had to decrease to allow Jesus to be increased. Believers, I implore you to take the opportunity to be the hope in the life of those you encounter who are experiencing difficulty. Let them see the love of Christ in your words and actions. And when the time is right, share the goodness of Jesus. In doing so, we are showing love, empathy, kindness, and patience. Oh, where did that come from? 1 Corinthians. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. I don't have to tell you how powerful love is. I'm not talking about love as in the love that we experience, this uh, love as far as husband and wife, that type of thing. I'm talking about agape love. How powerful love is, the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. This is the NIV version. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Can we live like this? Can we practice this? The Lord has been very patient and kind with each one of us. Amen? He sure has. And he wants us to experience his power and goodness of the Spirit and share it with others. Share it with others. In order to be our best, we need to draw upon the Spirit to strengthen our faith. We need faith that trusts in the Word and share it with others. How many times am I going to say that? Share it with others. I just said it again. The people of the world are worth our time. Hey, they're worth our time and effort. The people in the world are worth our time and effort. So what does that mean? Be ready. Be a presence. Speak the truth. Trust in the power of Jesus. Father, your goodness abounds. Your patience with us abounds. Lord, we want to learn more and more about who you are so that we can share with others about your goodness more and more. Help us to remain focused on you and your word. Help us to have this faith that is truly a gift from you. Thank you for the power that we have because we believe in your name and trust in your name. Thank you for the power that you give to us to trust and believe in you and praying for those things that are sight unseen that you will answer those prayers. Lord, we thank you for the example of the government official who just believed because you said your son will live. And we thank you for the lessons that come from that. Lord, we pray as we keep in our hearts and minds about the lost, the people that we know who don't know you, that we always remember to lift them up to you. Lord, we give them to you. We pray that the Spirit will speak to them individually and that they will trust in you and believe you that you indeed are the only one. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through you. Thank you for helping us to cut through all of the things the world throws at us. We give you praise, Lord, for what you have done, what you continue to do, and what you will continue to show us. Lord, you perform miracles every day when people come to a saving knowledge of you. And we thank you for that. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.